I mean, I was going to ask, how's it going, everybody? But I probably have a pretty good idea of how it's going for all of you, because it's going the same for RJ and I. Uh, welcome, everybody, to Emerald City Hockey's postgame live after that 2 nothing loss to the Senators. RJ, I, this team, man, and what's what's difficult about it, and we'll we'll get into it all, I'm sure, is that there's just enough from it that gives you that gives you hope and the idea that they can be good and maybe turn this around, but also at the same time, you just got blanked by one of the worst teams of the league. Right. I mean, it's it's not all terrible, which is I feel like makes it worse at this point, yeah. really. We, we've said this a few times over the last several games. But yeah, I mean, the reality of it is you got shut out by not a very good hockey team. And uh, the two goals that you had against you were goals that you handed them. And, you know, I think that makes it worse also tonight. And so we'll kind of get into the details of that. But this is a frustrating game. There's no way around it. Yeah, this is, I mean, potentially the most frustrating game that they've played all year long. I, it's, it's, it's brutal. It's brutal. But first, before we get into all of that, got to thank our sponsor, Flatstick Pub. Hey, RJ, you know what? Kraken are going to play games like this on the road. You know, the least you could do is be someplace like Flatstick Pub, where if you need to, you know, look away, you've got wonderful things that you could look away at. You could play mini golf. You could play duffel board. You could consume one of many, many local beers. Uh, so I definitely recommend everybody go check it out. I mean, just, just look at these look at these duffel board tables, RJ. Come on. Telling me when the Kraken are just kind of listless on the power play, you wouldn't rather be doing this sometimes because I would. <laughs> <laughs> oh, totally. I mean, it's a it's a competition. You can win right there. You know, Kraken aren't doing well. You can go do well at Duffelboard. Even Dylan can do well at Duffelboard. I believe that. Um, so, yeah, definitely. Flat stick. Awesome place to watch a game. And, you know, if you need to distract yourself from said game. Uh, thanks for those words of encouragement. <laughs> love, love that. Uh, and you know what, RJ? I believe that the Kraken maybe one day could score a goal again. Uh, but boy, they sure just could not tonight. And it's I, there's I mean I don't even entirely know really where to start with this one. I'm looking at the money puck heat like shot chart for this one, RJ, and the Kraken doing a great job of like just making layers across the zone, just straight across. There's nothing cohesive or the same about this. It looks like they were like, oh well, we got Tolvi one timers last time, and McCann scored from his spot, so maybe let's just shoot from those two spots exclusively. Um, I. I don't understand. Oh. When this team was winning, RJ, they were in and around the net, and then they've just stopped for the last four games. Yeah, well, I think one of the problems is that Ottawa, at least it looks like, they watch their game tape. They they watch film on their future opponent, and they know where the Kraken like to tee it up from. There were times in this game, mostly in the first period, but where I saw Kraken, the Kraken getting guys to the front of the net, the problem is the shots just rarely got through. They didn't do a whole yep. lot to open up shooting lanes, and they shot a yep. lot of pucks just into yep. Ottawa defenders, into their chest, into their legs. You know, they, they just, they weren't really looking. They just kind of like, all right, well, we got to get a puck to the net. Usually a slap shot also, which telegraphs yeah. it that much extra from the point. And it would go right into an Ottawa player and just kind of bounce back the other way. So there was a lot of that. Felt like they were just banging their head against the wall tonight. Well, and that's something that I've been talking about, right? Like it's been that it's been that way for a while for the crack and it's just teams are really, really, really starting to catch on. But the amount of times, particularly on the power play that you'll watch Jared McCann, he does it a lot. Uh, Tolvanen does it a lot. Yanni Gord does it a lot where they receive a puck. They pick their head up. They see the players slide into the shooting lane and they send it anyway. Would you do that in a beer league game, RJ? I wouldn't. I see a guy in front of me. I go somewhere else with the puck. I mean, I'd like to think I wouldn't. <laughs> you know, beer Fair. league leaves all possibilities, but you certainly shouldn't. Yeah, and it's just that one's really frustrating. Look at the 21 block shots for Ottawa in this one. Kraken still managed to get 39 shots on goal, but again, it just they never totally felt dangerous outside of just a couple moments. And then they just either didn't get the bounce or Ottawa was able to come up with a save or a good defensive play. And then on the flip side, RJ, you look at the shot chart for, for Ottawa. And this was a team that was really struggling to score coming into this game. And even still right outside of the crack and basically giving them those two goals, Ottawa still didn't look very good. But the fact of the matter is, the amount of shots that Ottawa was able to generate in and around in front of Joey Decord or in the low slot, it's kind of unacceptable that the Kraken yeah. just keep letting this happen. 
Right. I mean, they, the Sens were able to get to the Kraken net fairly easily, and you just can't allow that to happen. I think they didn't produce a whole lot off of it, really, just because they're Ottawa and they struggle to score goals, and that's what this team is. Um, but still, yeah, too much quality allowed in this one. And then, of course, you know, the two goals that you basically hand them. Yeah, is is a little bit too much. Super Jet here from Schultz, though, to kick us off. Kraken hokey pokey, one step forward, one step back. Boy, RJ, it really feels that way uh, lately. I know earlier in the season I was excited thinking, hey, maybe it's it's two step forward, one step back. I, this almost felt like one step forward last game, two steps back. Yeah, it did. I mean, like what I'd give for a true step forward right now, even though, yes, the Leafs game was a step forward for sure. But, you know, to just have two points as part of it would be really nice. Uh, but yeah, just whenever you feel like that turning point might have happened, we talked about it on the last post game, hoping that, OK, that Leafs effort, you don't get the win, but this could be a turning point for the whole season. If you continue that effort through to the next game and the next game and the next game, that's how you turn things around. And yet, you know, tonight they didn't continue it. No, they didn't. Appreciate the super chats, though, uh, Schultz. And then from Light, to repeat my message in Discord, if they don't beat the Habs, I don't think Hack will be the coach by the time they are in Seattle. Wow, RJ. And now this is also coming from Light, who is generally one of the more optimistic voices, I would That's say, right. on Discord or in here. But it does, it's, it's starting to, I, I mean, even I'm starting to question things, RJ, just when... You know, look, the, the Kraken, they had a good system last year through transition, all of this stuff. They talked about it while they were in Toronto to some of the Toronto media sources. They feel like the rest of the league is kind of caught up to what they're trying to do. And we're not seeing them take that next step or evolve past that. It's something that does take time, but you also would have hoped that maybe you have something in the can over the offseason. I don't know. <laughs> Right. And you have to know, like, this is the kind of thing they were talking about at the end of last season, even as, as early as like training camp and dev camp. Teams aren't going to take us lightly anymore. This is not last season. Teams are going to prepare that extra little bit harder for us. And I think they've figured out what it is that the Kraken do, you know, especially with the aggressive defense and pinching and everything. Um, I did listen briefly to the like 32 Thoughts podcast. Elliot Friedman even brought that up. Mm -hmm. If that's the kind of thing that's being discussed, like in league circles, because we know they as league reporters, they don't have a whole lot of time to really learn the fine details about this kind of stuff. It just comes with the job. But if that's something that even he's talking about, then you know teams must have caught on. Exactly. And so that's that's on the coaching staff to then come up with something new. Um, and and I would say, I, I think Haxtell is going to stay the coach. Like, I don't think he's going to yeah, get fired he's, like he's got on, at least the, the on the road trip and stuff. He's got to lease the season. But it's one of those things that as soon as the Kraken get back to Seattle, right? Like you're going to have a long homestand. That's the time to start shaking things up and start coming up with new systems and trying to implement it before the new year. Because uh, one, that's the only way you're going to save the season. And two, it might be long term what Haxtell's going to have to do to potentially save his job come next offseason. Uh, Jessica had to watch a video of guinea pigs popcorning to center myself. <laughs> Don't blame you. Uh, send me a link to that afterwards. That would be much appreciated. Could we could all use well? it. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ricky, true or false, the Kraken are one of the five worst teams in the NHL. Now, RJ, I'm going to say false, but bottom 10, they're kind of there. Yeah, I'd have to agree with bottom 10. Bottom five, I, I would disagree with. I still think there's five worst teams in the league. San Jose, Chicago. I, it's it's bad when you start naming teams that like, you know, Chicago that you lose to. <laughs> you but, you know, right yeah, San Jose, Chicago. I still think maybe Anaheim. Anaheim, yeah. In the way they're yeah, Columbus. But yep. they're, it's getting close. Yeah, no, it's you have to start thinking for a sec before you get to five, <laughs> which isn't ideal. Uh, Lindsey Bro got shut out by the Ottawa Senators on the second half of a back to back. This is a new low. The last game gave me false hope, but I think it's time to pull the plug. The Kraken are bad. I mean, uh, look, Ottawa was struggling mightily, RJ, and it's true. They played yesterday and lost. And and it was just <laughs> a, it was a, one of those games that was also I mean, I don't know. Do you is this? that Seattle is the get right team, RJ, where everybody seems to figure it out and get right with the exception of the Sharks when they play us? Or is it just that the Kraken have the misfortune of constantly facing all of these teams when their backs are the most against the wall? Because last night in Ottawa, that was very much the case where it was like even national media folks were really having to go like, okay, Ottawa might have to make a coaching change here. Does that maybe, you know, spur Ottawa on tonight more so than it's anything that the Kraken did? I don't know. 
I mean, it's a good question. I do think they do have that misfortune of like you Edmonton earlier in the season where Woodcroft had already been fired. We just didn't know it yet. They they are in that situation. But ultimately, what you do about it determines whether you, you win or lose or whether that's even you know a benefit to the other team. Like generally, these are teams that as motivated as they are, they're still not good teams. They're still in that position for a reason. Mm-hmm. And as a team with some skill, and if you're motivated yourself, you should be able to get wins out of those games. And the Kraken just haven't been doing that. Also with the back-to-back thing, I'd forgot. Yeah, this was a back-to-back for Ottawa. Just one weird thing I want to point out, though. Seattle has played six more games than Ottawa this season. <laughs> That's weird that that can happen at this point. Ottawa, this was their 19th game. This was Seattle's 25th. I don't know how that happens. I don't entirely know how that happens either. It's it's kind of ridiculous. It's been, but it's been ridiculous how many more games the Kraken have played all year so far. And then you look at the schedule and I'm just like like through through the December schedule. I'm like when are they supposed to make up this ground? Like when do they get some time off? Doesn't I seem know. like it happens. They just they're going to play like 87 games this year the Kraken. Uh Jessica with the super chat here. Thank you very much. Positives. Got a new Bluetooth speaker for my iPhone and it sounds like RJ and Dylan are in the room with us. Ooh, fun. And uh pigs on the Discord pets of EC channel so i did not know that i'm gonna have to go check that out now <laughs> again giving me good stuff here for for after all this is is over uh let's see be well my hopes for the season are kind of dead this team just can't perform well enough to win consistently coop cur- curious to see if people think we got goalie tonight in my opinion we shot everything into the glass or his chest much to your point there uh if yeah. they even made it through to him which i guess 40 shots did um Varen, Kraken Hockey, the cure for what ails you, where you are the other t- struggling teams and goaltenders. Again, we're talking about that. And then Brian, it's a shame. Joey goes 9-2-9, the save percentage. Yes, he had his gaff, and Maddie had a blowout. Sad offense, never felt dangerous. I mean, we've talked about the offensive st- struggles, RJ. We've alluded to the two goals gifted to the Ottawa Senators. But boy, I mean, they were, they were some big-time problems for the Kraken on both of them. Yeah, and, and I think we can break them down now. The first one I just feel the worst about because Matty Beniers just loses an edge. Yep. Like, it's that simple. Like you look at the defenseman. I know there was a kind of back and forth on Twitter a little bit. Thanks for, you know, the interaction, by the way, though, with Dunn, you know, I think Dunn and Schultz were playing that perfectly. They were both tying up yep. their men. Schultz was tying up his guy to give Matty a clear lane to go break that puck out. He had that lane. Sometimes you just slip and fall. I, I, there's really no more you can say about that goal. There wasn't enough time for anybody else to get back once it happens. And, you know, I mean, credit to Joseph. He made a really good move on that, but like, yeah, there's just nothing you can do. The second one, that's, I think the worst of the two, because mm-hmm. that's a miscommunication there between Joey Decord and Will Borgen. They were not on the same page. Mm-hmm. And with the adventures of Joey Decord, him coming out to play the puck a little bit more than maybe a Philip Grubauer, uh, we were probably wondering when would be the first time this would result in a goal against. We have it tonight. And I will say that's a play. I think Grubauer leaves that puck for his defenseman every single time. And Borgen will go in there, mm-hmm. no hesitation, because he knows Gru's getting the heck out of there. But yep. with Joey there... Borgen second guesses it. You can tell yeah. he's going in and he's like, oh, wait, no, he's probably going to play this. It's Joey. And then, you know, Joey does it and then it you know, creates the whole rest of the play. Those are the problems that sometimes arise when you have a goalie like that. Yeah, what you never want to see, RJ, is your goaltender behind the net uh, the defenseman coming in, the puck just kind of sitting there, and they act like they need to pass each other in a narrow hallway, and they're giving each other the like, mm-hmm. you know, where where who's <laughs> going where thing. Like that's ge- that's less than ideal. That's generally something you don't ever want to see in the National Hockey League, and um, that's that's what happened for that one. Is like that's the only thing I could think of. It's it's weird too because that's not how I thought the whole Joey adventures would turn into a misadventure like this isn't the kind of play that i thought would would result from that but yet here we are it it's yeah it's just unfortunate because it felt like that was what really made this game like you know you couldn't come back like with the way the offense was struggling two goals was just going to be too many uh also i liked uh your, your analysis on the first one there confirming ice is indeed slippery that is true. Ice is slippery, can confirm. Also, I see a coop there with the, this is not the first goal against from Joey's misadventures. If, if you're talking about the, the one Florida. that took the weird bounce off the yeah. glass, I, I still, I'll defend him till the end of time for that one. Most goalies go back there and make that play. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Grubauer even goes back there to make that play. It, it's just the bounce. That wasn't an issue of him not playing it right or something like that. Yeah. That was just what happened. Uh, Justin with the super chat, did Seattle get goalied tonight? I mean, look, you, 
you get a 39 save shutout, RJ. I think it's a, it's definitely a fair question to ask, and I think there's an element to it. Uh, but the Kraken, like like we said earlier, they also, you know, they, they were struggling to kind of pick their shots, pick corners out when they were shooting on Forsberg. And then beyond that, the it's now up to 23 block shots for the Senators. They just keep they somehow keep getting them even after the game's over, RJ. Yeah, I mean, they were very the Senators were very goalie friendly in the way they defended, but the, the Kraken and the way they attacked made it easy for the Senators to be goalie friendly. A lot of those shots were fairly manageable or the ones that Anton Forsberg could see. There weren't really any plays that just took the goalie out of the equation. And sometimes you have to have some of those plays. I do think Forsberg played very well. I like him, too. Yeah. I just think he's a really good goalie, um, had one of his better games tonight. But that wasn't the whole story. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And thanks for the super chat there, Justin. Appreciate it. Um, I mean, <laughs> just lots of stuff here. By Ren, I was told the bad offense was all Grubauer's fault. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought Joey was supposed to get the goal support, RJ. That's what we were, that's what we were told. Um, I, I wonder, is this the first time the Kraken have been shut out with a goalie like other than Grubauer in their own net? I mean, there's got to have been a time year like one, a Drieger, right? right? It's yeah, year there, one. There must have been. Um, Burnt Krem, we so need a true goal scorer or three. I mean, it's it's so tough when you generate as many shot attempts as they did, and then you just can't get anything going. Um, need a finisher. You do. Nothing says mid like having Wenberg taking critical power play faceoffs. Brutal from Ricky there. Uh, it, I mean, the special teams, RJ, the PK looks looked pretty good tonight, right? Like I, I liked the, the PK tonight. I thought Tanev being back was a big part of that. Um, I just the power play, man. Like, come on. Yeah, the power. It still doesn't look quite right without Jaden Schwartz on it. They're still adjusting. And yeah, part of that is Alex Wenberg having to be the net front guy in an area where he's probably not the most comfortable. Um, and certainly he's no Jaden Schwartz. No. And yeah, it just that that was a key in this one. It was great to get Tanev back, not just on the PK, but at even strength too. love the energy yeah. he brought. Again, I think as we've seen all season, a lot in the first period kind of tailed off toward the end of the game. But I, I get it. You just can't keep that energy up the whole game. Also, I looked it up. Uh, the Kraken did get shut out three times last season with Martin Jones in goal. So I'm way off. All right, there we go. We all blocked them from our memories. That's all. Um, best made videos. This is the complete opposite of our Canadian road trip last season. One point in three games. Brian, the Vesna tour, aka the Kraken schedule, and Christian. We're like the Lazarus pit for slumping players and goalies. They just come back to life. It's, I mean, it's it's got to be coincidence, right, RJ? I can't imagine the Kraken are just filled with that many generous players where they're just like, you know what? You've been struggling. We're going to let you have one. Yeah, there's a lot of nice guys on this Kraken team, but usually not in that way. No, I, I just can't imagine it, uh, including one Oliver Bjorkstrand. Coop, Bjorky steadily missing prime slot chances like he gets paid to do it. What is with Bjorkstrand, RJ? He scores from the tough angles, and yet the 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 more like prime scoring areas is where he just, you know, he shoots it like four feet wide of the net. Yeah, it felt like he, I'm trying to look how many shot attempts he had in this game because it felt like he was just launching it from everywhere, which, I mean, he had nine shots on goal last game, so maybe he's just yeah, kind of continuing that. Yeah, five tonight. and um, But yeah, it just felt like they were going high or he was trying to pick his spots a little bit too much, and maybe that's the kind of thing where you let it get in your head a little bit uh, if the other goalie's playing well or if you just don't have a goal yet. Uh, let's see, Bjorkstrand, yeah, had um, 12 shot attempts tonight. Five of them make it onto the net, so you know there's a little bit of that as well. Um, Jared yeah. McCann had 14 shot attempts, seven shots on goal from Jared McCann. That's what I'm saying. He was feeling it, but he was shooting exclusively from where he scored last game, which mm -hmm. it's, it's one thing to kind of do that on the power play. But like, again, unless you're going to really pick your spot and it looked like Ottawa was ready for it. Like so many of those were just fired into, into waiting, um, players. Like where's the shots box shots blocked by a player well, i guess none of them were technically blocked but it, it just didn't seem like they were that dangerous this game jared mccann from that spot yep i'm with you um need a bounce back game ask the kraken <laughs> best made videos uh coop power plays absolutely toast without schwartz b why does literally every single team in a slump turn it around against the kraken like why can't they ever make their opponent's slump worse it's killing me i mean at some point rj we've talked about this for a couple times but i guess this will be the last time i'll bring it up with the last kind of prompt to you which is is that 
again, something that should be a little bit worrying about the mentality of the Kraken. Of we, I talked about this last post game. Ottawa is struggling right now. We saw that yesterday. We talked about this earlier, you and I. Ottawa's struggling. This is the perfect opportunity for the Kraken to go in against a team that's struggling and just assert themselves. And they didn't. Again, is that just a problem for the Kraken? Like, at what point do we say the Kraken just have an issue with that? I think in context, it's evidence of a lack of killer instinct. Mm -hmm. And you see that, too, in the third period where they have chances. I mean, you know, now you go into a trailing, but earlier in the season where you have chances to put away teams in the third period and you just don't do it. I think there's a certain killer instinct this team just doesn't have right now for whatever reason. And yeah, it's it's a problem in any situation. The, the best teams, when you play against a team that's in trouble, you want to get them even more in trouble. You know what I mean? You want to put them away. Kraken just don't have that right now. No, they really don't. Um, Bryce, hey, that was bad. <laughs> the exclamation <laughs> points there. Lindsay, time to fire the power play coach. So, I mean, that's something we've talked about seemingly every season, RJ. We talked about it earlier this season. I'm really in a weird spot when it comes to, to Paul McFarlane and the power play just because, again, two day, three days ago, three calendar days ago, two games ago, whatever, however you want to cut it, they were eighth in the league in power play. Like the power play had figured it out with the asterisk of they needed Jane Schwartz in the lineup. So now that you don't have Jane Schwartz in the lineup, it looks significantly worse. They're struggling mightily with it. I, I What does that mean, RJ? Because I'm struggling here. On the one hand, he, he was making adjustments. The power play was getting better. It looked like a good unit. They had more set plays. We weren't seeing the same kind of thing over and over from them the way we saw last year when they struggled. On the other hand, you would think that would mean you could develop a system that isn't reliant on one sole player in the lineup. Right. And you know, I can't believe it, but I'm going to defend Paul McFarland here. I actually think he's done a great job this season and it's not just one player he's missing. It's two Andre Burakovsky. I know True. he's been gone for a while, but you are missing. I think potentially your two best power play players right now, and that's going to impact any power play, no matter who you are. Um, I just I I have a hard time criticizing him when you're dealing with that and also you're getting those varied looks. He's trying different things. I mean, they're trying moving the puck around. We saw the other game, like, you know, four Tolvin and one-timers in a row. We saw McCann open up from his spot. I know, you know, that's not maybe the best looks there, but they're moving things around. They're trying to be like, okay, Schwartz is out. We can't be his net front. Let's feed it to Jared McCann and let him shoot from that spot. Let's try other things. So I, I'm going to give him at least a little bit more than a couple games with Jaden Schwartz out on a power play that still ranks 12th in the league. Like the numbers still speak for themselves. I, I think certainly it's got to be in the bottom five or you know maybe 10 before you uh, can even think about firing him. What's crazy, RJ, is one could argue through the struggles earlier in the season, the power play is what was get you know being the difference right the fact that they were scoring on the power play was the difference to them getting to overtime and collecting those loser points or maybe even getting some wins along the way when you take that power play out of the equation maybe it's showcasing just how bad the struggles offensively are for this this seattle kraken team culminating in a in a shutout loss tonight uh it's it's an interesting one now i will also say you know lots of talk like sergio here it's time to replace the coach Maybe this is that's what you see as a compromise to Dave Hackstall's job, right? Hackstall stays on as coach, but you do see some sort of movement when it comes to the assistants, whether that's mid-season here, if they continue to really slide, or in the next off-season. I think we could maybe see something like that happen. Yeah, I think it'd be more in the timeline of next off-season, just because mid-season, like how do you fire the, the one special teams coach who numbers-wise is getting it done? <laughs> yeah, it would be difficult to do. Uh, Sergey was specifically watching what the Kraken do on offense. Nothing is inside. This is why opposing goalies are always good, hopeless at this point. Sir, I'm, I'm right there with you, Sergey. That it's a problem for the Kraken when you look at these shot charts and they don't have anything in the lower slot or in the middle or right in front of the goaltender. Like I said, for that that brief stretch, that glorious 3-0-1 stretch, RJ, that's what their shot charts looked like, right? I, I, sh I was showing them on these post games every time because I was like, look at what they're doing. This is awesome. This is how they're fixing it. And then it's just stopped. And I don't know why it stopped, RJ. I know you've got Jane Schwartz out of the lineup now, but he wasn't the only guy doing it. I, I don't understand why all of a sudden this team just decided we need we lost to the Canucks. 
bad. We need to just switch everything and shoot from the perimeter. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and I know, you know, if other teams are watching tape on you, you've got to switch some things up and make some changes, but getting to the net consistently and getting those it's second third opportunities. Change. Yeah, that's timeless. That's just hockey. That's what you do to generate goals. No matter who you are, no matter when you're playing, that's what you have to do. Definitely striatic. This team is such a perimeter team. Can't get inside pressure. Even 5v4 and toothless from the perimeter. There's some good possession things going on, but it all seems useless. I see some people in here saying we're being too positive too. Uh, I will also say this. Four shots from past the blue line, RJ. That's yeah, probably I'm not great. <laughs> Talk about being a perimeter team. You're shooting the puck four times from beyond the blue line. Come on. <laughs> it's dump-ins at that point, and you don't want dump-ins on net. No, you you really don't. You really don't. Uh, John, positive. One of the better six on five efforts we've seen from the Kraken. That is true. If we are going to be overly positive, that is something we would mention. Although that's <laughs> that's a pretty backhanded thing to be positive about. Uh, if we're all being honest with our with ourselves, Hunter, this team stinks. Uh, burnt. Oh, we got a super chat here from Light. Oh, go for it. So Light, not to push an agenda, but Shane has scored tonight. So that means Shane Wright has the Firebirds team lead in goals. Okay. And he's been on fire. He's arguably been their best player, RJ, when I get the chances to see them. It, you know, we had like Lindsay in here earlier and some other people talking about starting a sell-off now, not even waiting till the deadline. I, I still think the Kraken are too in it to do something like that. But at what point, RJ, do instead of calling up these other guys, do they just decide, let's call up Shane? get him NHL experience and just get ready for next year. 2024 after the new year, I think you have to kind of evaluate where you are. You've got a long stretch of games right here that I don't think you want to just throw him in right now and expect him to be the solution. But if you're still struggling, I mean, if you're still in the, like what, what seat are the cracking in right now in the standings, you know, if you're still in the, uh, you know, 11 spot in the West, I think maybe you, you free up Shane to go in the NHL and, and try and see if he can hit the ground running there. Maybe even trade a Wenberg to open up that spot for him. I think that's when you reevaluate after the new year. Yeah. And I, I mean, already we're seeing some interesting movement from them uh, with who they're bringing up from Coachella Valley. I feel like them bringing up McCormick, there was like the leadership aspects of it that you mentioned earlier um, today to me, there's that aspect of it, but I, he's also their leading point scorer. And I wonder, like, was the reason we hadn't seen the McCormick call up before because they were worried about losing him on waivers? And now they're kind of at the point where they're like, you know what? The situation's desperate enough that we can't worry about stuff like that anymore. Like, we just need whoever we think the best guy is. Do you think there's an element to that with the McCormick call up? Yeah, I, I think so. I, and looking at like, you know, student each and just someone who can, can play kind of reliably and you know exactly what you can expect from him. I think that's one thing that NHL coaches certainly will look for. Yes. Uh, but when it comes to Shane, I mean, still one of the analytics darlings from his three games that he played with the Kraken. He was he was absolutely dominant and he's just been killing it in, in Coachella Valley right now. So I wouldn't mind seeing him. Edward asking the question, are the Kraken a good, bad team or a bad, good team? Now, couple uh, a week ago, I would have said they're a bad good team. I'm I I think I'm I've changed. I think I'm on there a good bad team, RJ. Yeah, just because I, I'm the inconsistencies, with, yeah. like they just yeah. can't stick to a plan and make it work. Yeah, I, I'm with you, and for the same reason. Like the, we've talked about the consistency so much, it turns into this another loss to a team that's nowhere near playoff position. Yeah, it's 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 convinced me. Yeah, I, I think we're there. Uh, Kraken only five-star forwards and two-star defenders away from being good. Jesus, they suck from James. Uh, let's see. Ricky, Ottawa's on the verge of firing their coach. What a fiasco. Agree with that. Uh, Coop, the only positive tonight was not scoring on ourselves for the third time tonight. Lol. It's true. They did stop the mistakes, I guess. Um, <laughs> half of the time, the net front guys were on the ice on the ice instead of on their skates from Coop. And I, I mean, it's just yeah, burnt crap. Thank God for Washington Huskies college football. <laughs> yeah, true. Well, I mean, we haven't talked about this yet, and it's more of a podcast no. topic. But like, they're going to be playing New Year's Day. Same day as the Winter Classic, too. And I know there have been people I've seen like, well, what do I do? I've got tickets to the Winter Classic, but should I go to the Rose Bowl? What am I going to do? 
seems like a lot of those I've seen on Twitter, at least have chosen the Rose Bowl to go travel for UW. So can be an interesting uh, situation on January 1st. I was going to say, after the way UW's been playing and they kind of turned things around there against Oregon versus how the Kraken are playing right now, right? Like, I, I understand it. I understand it. I'll say that much. I'll stop myself there. <laughs> uh, Knowing Vegas is coming to Seattle for the Winter Classic, too. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. Um, uh, Sam, 39 shots, though only 2.47 expected goals on Money Puck. They gave Forsberg so much tempo and rhythm that even Terrence Fletcher from Whiplash would be content with. That's a that what a poll there, Sam. Good job. I like that. Uh, but it is true, RJ. I mean, when you, that that is one of the aspects when we're talking about them shooting th from the perimeter, not generating a lot of high quality chances, which again you could see on on Money Puck uh, on that shot chart. You all you're just feeding into another goalie and what they're trying to do. And inversely, the Kraken can't seem to hold other teams to do that to let their goaltenders get into a rhythm. And it really feels like that's been part of the problem with Grubauer the previous two games was just he was just getting shelled right in front point blank range with no defensive help whatsoever. When you're just in panic mode all the time, it's really hard to kind of center yourself, square up and get in the zone. Yeah, I mean, it's something we've talked about for really over two years now, mostly with Grubauer and like those early chances that are really high quality. But it doesn't matter who it is. Any goalie, you want to see a lot of low quality shots in a game. Yeah. You want to be busy, but you don't want anything high quality. And that's kind of what the Kraken are throwing at these opposing netminders. Nope. Uh, CJ, is this a system or the collection of players at this point? I, I'm I'm willing to go with still that it's more of a system problem. Like we talked about, they they were winning games when they got net front and they they attacked the middle of the ice. They're not winning games when they don't. That that to me tells me it's a system thing. And again, RJ, they're paying too many guys, right? The top six forwards, as far as you know, paychecks, they're they're making good money. They're all guys who have proven to be 20, 25, 30 goal players in the NHL. They got to do it at some point. Yeah, it doesn't have to be everybody stepping up all at once. And that's not how this team's designed. You just need two or three guys. And we're just not seeing that often enough. Agreed. Going to start doing some larger jumps down through the chat here. Um, Rock, Todd, not seeing Maddie getting eight to 10 million per. Where do you sit, Dylan? I still think he can get in there, maybe eight and a half at this point, just given the struggles. But he's a young centerman. You're locking him up long term. That's just what they go for. Right. He's yep. only a season removed from the Calder. It's what they that's what they cost. Yeah, that's the minimum. I mean, the price does go down, you know, the longer that this kind of play continues. But there's no way it goes under eight. Yeah. Um, let's see. Vaharen. Hey, their goals per period have even out. They're now getting slightly outscored every period instead of building up leads and then throwing them away with vigor. On the bright side, <laughs> look at I know it's just because that was the thing, and then and then you know they stopped kind of they were struggling with that after that Vancouver game. The more I'm thinking about it, RJ, everything just goes back to that Vancouver game. They walked into that yeah. I think feeling really made probably overconfident after the Sharks win, and they just the first three minutes of that game were a complete disaster, and they have not recovered since. There has a bit of time after that that the Kraken have looked like they've been in control of a hockey game. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, the closest they got, I guess, was that last game against Toronto, where in the third period, certainly once they tied it, it they felt like they were in control. That's the point. You need to capture that and make it a turning point. And then tonight, it just undoes all of it. Yeah, uh, it's just... Oof. Uh, Lonnie, is there anything to the idea that when West Coast teams go to Eastern Canada, there are too many distractions for the players who are from that part of North America? I don't think so. I don't remember ever really hearing about that. No, and I think in some cases it makes them play a little bit better. I remember following the Sharks growing up. It felt like, you know, Logan Couture was my favorite player. And whenever they would go on that Canada road trip through Ontario specifically, because he was, you know, from around there, he would have some of his best games. I mean, he was playing lights out, you know, whenever they'd visit Toronto, because he had a lot of family in the building. You know, he, mm -hmm. he had a lot of friends and people that he knew. Uh, Ottawa, especially. He played in the Ottawa 67s in junior. He had a lot of junior people that he knew there. And, and he had great games. So I think it can work both ways. 
Yeah, a lot of it is for the players there. It's a chance to finally play in front of their family. They're 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 far away. The time zone doesn't make it easy for their family to stay up and watch their games on television and stuff. So it's it's more of a thing. Uh, really, all the issues I've ever heard from from like people playing there, like say in the, a Montreal, was usually like young players on the Canadians coming in and then existing in that market as a Canadian and and yeah. all the things that can go along with that, um, rather than the other way around. Yeah, and I think you should mention also the the Vince Dunn story that you heard on on Thirty Two Thoughts. I yes. know we did tweet it, but I think that'd just be good anyone here uh, to listen to it because I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, so Vince Dunn's parents and grandma have a mission to see Vince Dunn play in all thirty two buildings around the NHL. So they were at the Toronto game. I believe they were traveling to the Ottawa yeah, game tonight. tonight. Yeah, they're there tonight, and uh, I, I do think that that's a lot of fun for for Vince Dunn's family to kind of be able to do that probably spend some time with him right on in the in the meantime while he's on those road trips that's got to be a lot of fun for him too to be able to see them have have lunch with them after a morning skate or after a practice the the days in between so uh that that was like kind of a if anything good comes out of this this road trip rj and so far that's kind of the only thing let it be that yeah and Fridge mentioned they're about a third of the way through so they've got some more arenas to hit but hey yep. that means more done family on road trips potentially i would i would say that that's a lot of fun um let's see uh james maybe we just need better players it's not hard to see what the kraken's issues are it's a plain lack of elite talent they basically have a team full of second and third liners i would argue to that rj is that's what vegas had for many years before they finally won the Stanley cup, but they were a very consistent threat. They went to the Stanley cup final with four lines of second and third liners. And again, yes, they maybe lack the one elite 50 goal guy or something, but you have a 40 goal player in Jared McCann and you've got five guys who have scored 25 goals or more in this league. Like it shouldn't be a talent problem, even though it looks like it is. Right. It's enough on paper. And also the Kraken were that last season. They managed to be a 100-point team, and I know they had a bit of shooting luck that maybe has regressed this season, but you could look other places too, like maybe goaltending that could get a little bit better this year. And so, you know, it can all come together to still be a good team. You just have to do it consistently. Well, but, and then but yes, that's not to say they don't need elite talent too, because I'm, I'm with you. That just, it couldn't come this past offseason. The salary yeah. cap dictated it. Like, it has to come next offseason. Well, there's two things about this too, right? I'm starting to think that that elite talent has to be on the back end, right? Like, yes, you signed Vince Dunn and maybe you took a little let, whatever, but like, it's clear they absolutely need somebody who can tie this defense together because right now they are just hemorrhaging grade A opportunity opportunities to opposing teams. I think that's where it needs to be. And then on the flip side, I think it's start to fair. It's, it's fair at this point when you're looking at all of these players who all have a history of succeeding in the NHL and scoring goals and to, to kind of start not necessarily pointing fingers, but really questioning these guys have to step up at some point. Like this isn't a coaching thing all the time at some point, especially when it comes to like the effort issues we've been talking about. You are a professional athlete. You're being paid a lot of money to do one thing. You've proven already that you can do that thing. You need to do that thing again. That's the job. You know what I mean? And at <laughs> some point, you got like five guys that aren't doing their job. And that's a problem. Yeah, I, well said. And it's and it's a problem that's on them. It's not like you can't go somewhere else for that problem, really um light with the super chat here appreciate it the only optimism i have is that the is that the kraken due to how weird our schedule has been still could have similar season season series splits to last season that is true right you get a longer homestand that's coming up here in december that can help you write the ship rj at some point the, the schedule is going to lighten up a little bit maybe that allows them to do it maybe it's just getting healthy that allows the kraken to kind of go on something but the season is salvageable and you can at any point go on a month-long tear where you only lose like two games and you're totally back in it yeah i mean that's kind of what the loser points do and right now they're benefiting the kraken quite a bit i mean they've you know you look at like a team like Nashville, who's tied with them in points in the standings. Nashville's got four more regulation wins than the Kraken do. And yet there they are tied in points. Like it's still within reach. Yeah. Uh, Brooke, anyone know where to get your winter classic jerseys customized? Seems like all the team stores are out of the letters numbers and my local third parties don't know if they're getting any. That is the problem right now with those Brooke is just that everybody's out. Um, it sounded like the, uh, the, 
KCI store was going to be getting more, but the, it could be up to three weeks before they get the, the new supply in of the letters and everything. So it's one of those just, you know, make a friend at, at the different team stores <laughs> to maybe let you know when, when that happens. Uh, I think that's everybody's best bet. Super chat here from Steve Dog. Haven't been here much because of work and being on the East Coast, but still appreciate all you both do and love this community. Rough stretch, but still rooting for this team through and through. Appreciate having you in here. Appreciate the super chat, Steve Dog. And yeah, it's, it's good to see you again. At least, I guess, at least, I know these games haven't been great, but you're getting to see them in your time zone. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I guess that's true. Probably uh, makes for some less late nights. But uh, thanks for the super chat, Steve Dog. Good to see you back in here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm just going to jump down because like the chat's just been going on and on. So I'm going to jump down a little bit. If I skip something, feel free to add it in. Um, you know, Ricky asking a fair question, going back to when we're talking about Max McCormick. Why are they looking to the AHL for leadership? I mean, again, it's one of those things. They have the leaders in the room, RJ. Like, I don't know that that's really why they go going with Max McCormick. I think it's, like I said, he's leading Coachella Valley in scoring. That's a big reason. Um, but it is, it is one of those things where like, like I was just saying with the players, got to step it up. You got to just do your job at some point. Yeah. I mean, and that, that goes for everyone. And I mean, the thing with McCormick is just, you know, he's, he's reliable. He's someone who, you know, is going to bring the effort night in, night out. He's a captain. That's evidence of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Uh, Burnt Creme UW football owns Seattle and always has. I, well, it's, it's, you know, it's based in the middle of it. Produces a lot of alumni. It makes sense. Yep. <laughs> uh, so let's see. Uh, on Onslaught. So something even bad teams do is every once in a while they have dominant games. I'm talking win by two or more in regulation. How many of the Kraken had this season? Three in 25 games. Yeah, it hasn't been much, right? Like even when they were winning games, RJ, it was the 4-3 victory result, right? It was getting an eighth round shootout win against the Islanders, a struggling team, perhaps even one of the five teams that would be worse than the Kraken. Uh, and that's, the Sharks game was good. The problem was it looked like they were playing a team that didn't even belong in the NHL. I, I do want to see them, you know, I was hoping it would be tonight against Ottawa, but I do feel like I really need to see them and it would probably be good for them to individually just beat up on somebody. Yeah, I think it would do a lot for their confidence. And yeah, they just have, but like, if it's going to be anybody, like, you know, why not this Ottawa team? Why not Chicago? Like, if they're playing against teams that you probably should be able to beat up on, I, I just, anybody, it should be good for their confidence. Although I guess you could argue though, like against San Jose, you know, didn't help them a whole lot with start to Vancouver. I wanted to look this up. I didn't do the research on it yet, but I was wondering what teams records are the, it was, I thought about this after the San Jose game, like their next game back after playing the sharks, particularly mm -hmm. if they beat the sharks by quite a bit, like, right. you know, I don't know. Is it, do they take their foot off the gas a little bit? Do they tend to lose yeah. the next game? I wonder what the effect is. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm just looking in here. There's, you know, big conversation about like, negativity versus hard truths and and all that kind of stuff whether it's here on the discord and look it is one of those things i also see you know whether or not like talking about all of this as sports as entertainment which is something i've always talked about or or whether or not it runs deeper and i will say this that i i do think that these are the most difficult times for fan bases is when you're going through difficult stretches like this, when you have higher expectations, right? Year one, we all found our way. It was all just a celebration of the fact that hockey was back in Seattle, had an NHL team. We were learning to, to fall in love with them and, and all of the players getting to know everybody. And so a lot of those difficult things were, were easy to overlook. Last year, we kind of go on what seems like now a miraculous run RJ yeah. um, but it was a very it was a very good run and, and it was a run that you know was a little um aided by some good fortune we'll say and and it did set up you know expectations for this year and and it's really really hard it's it's worse you know when you have those higher expectations and then the team struggles the way it does it is worse when you've learned to love these guys through both bad and good times over the previous two seasons and then you see the result like this and it's also worse when there's a team like this RJ and you and I have watched a lot of hockey where doing this job where we're sitting here after every game trying to analyze and trying to break it down and the problems or the things that the team is struggling with aren't clear 
right? And so it leaves all of us just searching for answers. And it's hard in a situation like that not to just start spiraling down further and further through whether it's just piling on one thing because you think that's really what the problem is, or it's just pointing a finger at, at literally everything and everyone involved because you just don't know. And I do think that that's kind of where we're at right now is that everybody is disappointed. Everybody's struggling with this. And really what it is that we're struggling with is the fact that we don't really know what's wrong. And so there isn't something that we can be pointing to and saying, well, that's the problem. Here's how we can fix it or let's move towards a fix. I, I really think that's a lot of what all of us are going through. That's certainly I know what I'm going through as I sit here and I think about it is just what is the real problem? What is the root problem? Because it seems like week to week, RJ, that changes. And that's adding a lot of extra frustration that you don't normally experience when your favorite sports team is just bad. Now, that is some quality Emerald City therapy, Dylan. I mean, <laughs> well done. Uh, I mean, no, because I think you did a good job expressing like a lot of what a lot of us are feeling right now. And even like when we started this call, when I clicked the link to go on to StreamYard and start this stream before we, you know, hit go live, we just kind of looked at each other and just like, you know, th this team, like what, what is it? What do you say after a game like this? And I think you did a good job kind of expressing the emotions behind that before we started this stream and kind of what I'm sure a lot of people in chat are feeling right now. Yeah. And, you know, I know um, for, for some people it's, it's disappointing. I know for some people it's rough to see the, the negativity uh, around that. And, and I do think that there are limits where the negativity just starts piling on and you do cross a line at some point. Um, but I, I, I would also say that it's, it's coming from a place of, you know, frustrated, but love, right? Like it's coming because people love this team and they want the team to be, to do well. And, and I think a lot of the, the negativity is just coming from the fact that they're hurting a little bit because the team isn't playing well. And like I said, you don't know where to channel those feelings. It's hard to channel those feelings towards being positive or working towards a goal or working on getting better when you can't figure out what the problem is. And I, and that's, I think, as I'm just sitting here and I was reading this, it kind of dawned on me. That's what my issues have been, uh, certainly. And, I, and it wouldn't surprise me if that's been the problem for a lot of people as well. Um, let's see. Uh, um, I mean, there's just a lot of that in here. So I'm just kind of kind of going through through it here a little <laughs> bit. Um, uh, Seattle Media asked for bright spots and things to build on from Rick Krem. Like, see, there's there's a there's a. A good one there talking about uh, teams east of the Rockies. The media is all over management and the fans are going nuts. Um, you know, I, I do think that there is a different regions. There is something to that and, and how different fan bases react to things. I will say Seattle sports fans, right? We've talked about this the entire time, RJ. Super passionate group of people. Seattle sports oh, yeah. fans are some of the most passionate out there. And good or bad for, for all of the Seattle sports teams. But it is one of those places where... You got a lot of options as a sports fan. And if one team is struggling, you do have something else to be looking at, as we're talking about with the dogs right now, right? Like they're going, they're going to have a chance to go play for a national championship game. Like that's a big deal. And so it is hard also when you have, you know, split fandoms where they're looking at two different teams, one's performing really well, the other one's not. Again, it makes it, it makes it tough uh, to, to always, you know, articulate your feelings properly when you're dealing with stuff like that. And you know what? I think it's a good thing, honestly, for 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 like a market, especially in hockey, to not, you know, overreact to things or be, maybe beyond management, even if it's, you know, can be appropriate at times. Mm -hmm. You look at these Canadian teams go no further than the Canadian road trip. Right. And yeah. you know, Toronto, Montreal on that trip. I think that's part of the reason the Canadian team hasn't won a Stanley Cup in our lifetime, Dylan. Yes. Is is because you have that pressure and maybe you're forced into making moves too early and you don't have the space to maybe do what's best for the organization over the long term. So I think as a long term thing, we should be thankful it is that way. Yes, that's true. Uh, light letting us know the only series that we can't match from last year are the Colorado and Arizona series, but we've had uh, better ones already, such as against Tampa and Carolina. So again, there's there is still hope through all of this um if if the team can kind of turn it around i see um uh, onslaught here asking how many uh regulation wins do we have through our first 25 games and the answer is eight which isn't great um but the fact that you have those six overtime losses just 
really helps pad that out, right? Because, I mean, the, the difference in the standings points, RJ, there would really be massive as far as the Kraken looking at at kind of an insurmountable hole versus this one where, you know, again, you can still turn this around. You're only a, a handful of points behind in Arizona or a St. Louis. Yeah, I mean, the, the, your your point about the standings still stands. Was it regulation wins, they asked? Oh, oh yeah, yeah regulation it's, it's wins, five. so then it's five. All right, that's not great. <laughs> Tied with such teams though. as the, the Chicago Blackhawks and the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, you know, yeah. team below, team above. Well, there you go. Uh, One behind the San Jose Sharks. No, don't say that. It doesn't matter. Just just get two points. It doesn't matter how you're getting the two points right now. The focus just needs to be on the two points, and we will celebrate the two points however they come. Um, <laughs> uh, I do think this is important to keep in mind too. Uh, through everything, uh, whether you're, you're you know you're somebody who does tend to run negative when your sports team is is um, struggling, or if you are someone who, who tries to stay on the positive side of things, uh, Coop saying is you know people on here get negative about the players playing bad or coaches coaching bad, but I don't think any of us have crossed the line into saying players are bad people or anything all that bad. Um, I would I would agree with that, right? We haven't seen anybody like attacking people the way. Um, certain markets would you alluded to the Canadian markets and the pressures players and coaches have to deal with in those markets. And that is something that I've been thankful to not see anywhere in here. <laughs> yep. Very, very glad about that would uh, happen. <laughs> this market and this fan base. Yeah. As Ricky pointing out, Canadian media was one of the reasons Matthew Kachuk wanted out of Calgary. It's true. Like a lot of players end up not wanting to go there. They always talk about the reasons nobody wants to play in Canada, right? The high taxes, the weather. Uh, and then they'll sometimes they'll just mention the pressure, right? Like as though it's just like, well, the pressure to play for your winning your hometown team or for your a team in your home country is just too much. But when the media says it's the pressure, they really mean it's us and the fans putting way too much pressure on them. <laughs> like, yep. They never phrase it like that. And that always kind of bothers me, but that's very much what it is. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's see. Um, what are we, what are we considering our third line right now? Cause calling the Gord line, uh, oh, because people are talking about the, the bottom couple lines maybe being more like, uh, you know, AHLers at this point. Uh, I was going to say the Gord line right now is the number one line as far as I'm concerned. And it does seem like Hackstall has been playing them that way, RJ. Uh, it's This is just, you know, there are a lot of AHLers on the roster right now because guys just keep getting hurt. Uh, it's, yeah. Again, nothing, nobody, anybody, nothing anybody can control there. Yeah, and I think that was in response to a comment from Viren talking about our third yeah. and fourth line seems more like, you know, fourth liners are AHLers at this point. And, and um, I think Viren meant the, you know, the, the Wenberg, the Schwartzless Wenberg yes. line as Wenberg lost both of his wingers, got one back, uh, tonight, you know, today, yeah. tonight. But still, I mean, that that is rough when you have to call guys up from the AHL to fill those spots. Yeah, it's 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 pretty it's pretty frustrating. Chip saying, you know, we do know what the issue is, and that's not playing a full game, but we have no idea what's causing that issue. That I mean, again, see, like that's an extremely frustrating spot to be in. Even kind of narrow it down to not playing sixty minutes, but you have no idea what's wrong, like why that is. It's really frustrating. Um, and James saying all of our lines are legit are legit except we have no real first line and i do think that that there is definitely something to what james is saying there rj we still don't have that one line that can just take over a game when you need it to and that's that's what good teams have when they hit stretches like this because all teams hit rough stretches throughout the course of an 82 game season rj but you look at you know any team at the top of the standings i'm just happen to be on hockey reference so boston's up there at the top right at any given time pasta can just take over a game rj and and kind of redirect the momentum and right now it feels like the kraken don't have that player yeah i mean they, they just do not have a star player i mean it's it's kind of obvious watching the team there's just nobody there to step up and and rise to that level and you know that's that's kind of how a team has to be built after an expansion draft at least for a little bit this offseason that's the time to potentially change it Yep. Uh, Light with another super chat. Really appreciate it, Light. One more because you guys helped make the night better. Teams have recovered from far more and later, like Disco Dan, and he was hired in February and then won a cup with the Penguins. I mean, that's a good example, RJ. I think the ultimate example will be uh, the, what, 2019 St. Yep. Louis Blues, right? As as much as I know that it's painful yeah, memories that playoff me, yeah. that playoff run, but it is true. That is what happened. They were the worst team in the NHL, RJ. And then in they January, turned, in January, they were dead last in the NHL. They went on to win the Stanley Cup. If it's like, possible, 
anything is possible in the NHL. It's it's when you got a sport that's as driven by luck and and momentum such as this one, you just need to get that positive momentum going, and you can just keep going. You can just ride that all the way. So good stuff there. Um, let's see. Oh yeah, and everybody getting on the yeah the 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 eight thing. I yes, I was just looking for <laughs> wins. I try to stay too positive, I guess. Uh, Zame, hockey is extremely volatile, and losing streaks always feel terrible. Seemingly hopeless situations turn around all the time. Things have to get figured out, but the season is far from lost. So similar to what we were just talking about there. Um, James kind of echoing Coop's comments earlier. As long as we aren't personal, negativity is just a, a part fact of reality. Good manager has to be harsh on their employees. That's what pro sports is. Love all the guys individually. I mean, it's, you know, I, there's some of that in there, but I will say this sports is a results driven business. That's one of the first things you learn when you work in it is that you can be one of the most, and we've seen this, right, RJ, whether it's coaches, general managers, or players, there is always a time when it's time to move on from them or when they're struggling too much and they, they, end, you know, they don't get the, the wonderful ride off into the sunset moment. It's just the way sports is, is built. It is results driven. There's just kind of no way around that because it's one of the few jobs, RJ, where you are literally like ordered in order of good to bad. Most jobs don't do that, right? And I think that's a good thing. Uh, but sports is one of those where you are assigned a number in the standings there. Your win-loss record tells somebody looking at it whether or not you're good or bad at your job. And that's a really, that's a tough thing. Um, but it's it's the way that it is. There's just no way around it. Yeah, I mean, like with with other jobs, you know, it's it's rare that you have a job where like every other day there is a, a result, you know, that everybody knows yep. about whether you did a good or bad job. Um, and, you know, that's that's kind of the reality of sports. And, you know, with the NHL, like with the playoffs, it's all about getting extra hockey once the regular season's over. I mean, that's what we all want to see is playoff games. And you know what? Half the teams make it. So it's, it's yeah. I mean, there's again, it's that that binary again, where you have like the top half that makes it and gets to go play more games and the bottom half that does not another winner, loser, and you've got to be in the right camp. Yeah, it's it's sports is sports is unlike anything else. Um, it's it's also one of the few jobs in which, you know, and, and I went through this with Portland where somebody, you know, they, they make a decision above. And what that means is everybody all then down from there just also gets moved on from right like there's there's team elements to say front offices too right a lot of times general manager gets fired assistants are all gone uh coach gets fired assistants are all gone right like there's there's a lot of things where you could be doing a really good job yourself and just because there's maybe a hole somewhere else everything crumbles and goes away it's it's definitely not a business for the faint of heart i will say that yeah. you got to learn how to land on your feet uh autocad i tried other seattle sports over the years i grew up not being into sports at all but the kraken solidified me as a hockey fan and a lifetime fan of this team good or bad they'll turn around good stuff there uh, we can't have more games where we don't score or only score one goal. We need to make a move for a goal scorer. Time to trade. Uh, I again, I still think if we're adding, you need to add to the defense. You you have again on paper, you have all the goal scorers there. You you technically have more depth up front on paper than most teams do. You got to get that. You got to find a way to get them going because right now, if you trade assets, RJ, for a goal scorer and they all the rest of the guy, the group still underperforms you'll win some more games, but you're, you're still, I don't think going to go anywhere. Yeah. I mean, and also goal scorers. I mean, those, that's the hardest thing hardest to thing acquire, to especially mid season is goal scoring. Like there's a reason teams don't trade those guys away, especially mid season is because they're that valuable. So, I mean, it's, it's just harder to find as well. Yes. Um, Let's see. That being said, if Ron Francis wants to pick up the phone and go get Nylander, I wouldn't say no. And I don't think uh, a lot of people in, in here would, would, would disagree with that. Yeah, all the uh, Leafs would. Yeah, no, probably, probably not. Uh, maybe. Uh, let's see. Uh, Coop, for how much I rip on him, I think it's only fair I say that Wenberg has been pissing me off way less of late. Good job, Wenny. Keep it up. I mean, Wenberg has turned it around, and he's had to go through, like you said, some really, really tough stuff so far. Um Let's see. Jervin's uh, still in here. Anything's possible. You have to make moves. I, I just don't know what moves the, the Kraken can make right now. And it doesn't seem like they are either just based off of like, you know, Zadorov was traded in division, RJ. Right. And yeah. it doesn't sound like the Kraken were in on that or anything. So, yeah, I mean, that's one and for very cheaply, too. 
I mean, yeah. I was surprised how little he went for. But I think that also shows the difference between maybe like a stay-at-home defenseman like Zadorov and a goal yep. scorer. That's yep. going to be way more expensive than that. Right. And I, like I said, I think a defenseman would do it uh, only because we played against him tonight, RJ. I'll just bring up, should have been in on Chikrin. Come on. That was yeah. the one. That was, was. the one. Ah. <laughs> Never. Oh, this is the way it is. Um, let's see. Uh, we just need to drop a couple more spots and then we'll be the new blues. Nicole. That's right. We're, we're doing too good, RJ. We need to motivate the team by going all the way to the bottom. You need to be below yep. the sharks and then you can ascend to the top. Hey, the way you know, the at the bottom, are. that's where in the deep, that's where the Kraken are in their element. <laughs> You got no, you rise up from the deep. That's what happens. I know. I know. That's what they need to do. They need to, they need to maybe move away from the idea of deep. They need to be talking about the surface, the top. (laughs) Oh man. Um, Anything is possible, but something has to be a spark to start a turnaround. Only problem is that kind of thing can't really be manufactured or forced. You never know what'll do it for you. That is true B. And I think if anything's going to do it for the crack and, you know, in the short term, looking ahead, it'll be the homestand. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the big opportunity. Also, we have a super chat here from James. Oh, okay. Go for it. Yep. Uh, thank you, James. Uh, odds we sign a guy like Nylander or Stamkos, because we were just talking about the goal scorer thing. I'd still say it's pretty low. I I, I don't know that Nylander, what, one, if he's able to get to free agency, and then two, there's just going to be a lot of good teams calling, offering a lot of money. You know, maybe he'd want to stay more toward the East. I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't know, because I know some Swedes, well, the Kraken have plenty of Swedes. Like, you know, it is technically further from home, like time zone-wise or whatever, but it, it's a tall task to sign a guy like Nylander on the open market if he even gets there. And then Stamkos, I just don't see him leaving Tampa or leaving I that area. I, yeah. I don't either. It's, it is going to be tough. We'll see, though. I do think just given the way this season has gone, unless things totally reverse and the Kraken absolutely go on a tear, RJ, and you go multiple rounds into the playoffs again, I think Ron is going to be put in a position where he is going to have to do something and he is going to have to to go out there and, and find somebody and make a move, uh, whether, it's, whether it's a free agent signing like that where he's going to have to be in on a Nylander regardless of the cost or if it's going to be a, a trade of some kind. But I, I do think that we're looking at a, a much more active off season this off season than the one we just saw super yep. chat here from, from chip. Is there something to be said about still not having a captain? Most of the teams without a captain are underperforming and we really need a leader. So we, we talked about this earlier. We were a guest on locked on crack and RJ and, and we talked about them not having a captain you and I are still on the boat of Maddie's going to be the next captain. You can you can have guys step up in the room and be leaders without having the C on their chest, right? I've talked about this before. The C is largely symbolic of things when it comes to the media, the fans, and, and that person really being the person who gets trotted out there to do the things with those groups, right? Like that's more so what it means. Anybody in a locker room can stand up and give a motivational speech or pressure guys to get going or take on responsibility of teaching younger guys or whatever it is like those, those things don't have to be limited to somebody just because they, they do or they don't have a letter on their sweater. Right, exactly. You don't need the letter there to do it. And and you saw that last season, lots of guys stepped up at important times and kind of were that leader. And also, I mean, it's not as easy, you know, captains don't grow on trees and certainly slapping a letter on someone's chest isn't going to turn them into that kind of, you know, take action leader that maybe the Kraken need right now. It's not that simple. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, Jenna, getting Berkey back could be a game changer for production. I agree, especially because he was really starting to click with Tolvanen and Yanni Gord. So if you can get him back there, you know, that frees up Bjorkstrand. He could help out on the Wenberg line again. Like it, having Berkey back does a lot for the lineup um, in a lot of ways. So I, I like that. Uh, Hunter, uh, just because I saw people in here uh, saying they're going to hold you to this, Hunter. If the crack could make the playoffs, I'll donate a $100 super chat. So yep. really need the crack and turn things around. Yeah. <laughs> yep. uh, uh, Bryce Kraken should sign Otani. That would do it. You know what? Yep. That guy is so athletically talented. I, I'm sure he, he could learn how to skate if he doesn't already RJ and he could do something. Yeah. No limits for him. Heck, he could probably learn to play goalie also. And just when you need him, play goalie, when you need True. him, play skater. That's true. Dude is, dude is really, really good. Um, 
let's see uh german talking about the the the, the difficulties right now with the season ticket holder being a t- season ticket holder i know we've we've heard that from many people uh, and we know what you're going through there um Let's see. Uh, and also hear from from them. Yep, I like what Ron has done in general, but punted on Chikrin big time. Major fail, major. That one, it's, it's it, that one was tough. Um, yeah. Let's see. All right, we're we're pretty much here at the end. Um, I, thanks everybody for joining us for this one. Thanks for being part of the the discussion, the larger discussions we were all having. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks to everybody who, who donated super chat. That's always appreciated and all that good stuff. I know everybody's in here still talking about the captain having the discussion. I'll leave the the chat up as long as I can. Um, RJ, what what should we be looking for for against Montreal? Like, what would what would do it for you after the game that we saw tonight? I mean, it's, it's probably too much to ask. I don't want to say, you know, the 60 minute effort or, you know, maybe maybe a little bit more on the power play because I, you know, I, I feel like, you know, they should have. A, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I would say stay out of the. I don't know. <laughs> it's all the things I've kept say, I've been saying, you know, it's, it's um, not even that they're like, you know, it's not like they're taking too many penalties totally. And, and now you got Tanev back for the for the penalty kill. It's right. I, it, it's go back. Go back to the way you were playing a week ago. Go net front, get, you know, penetrate the other defense, get in there, like get to the slot, play in the middle of the ice, get high quality chances. You'll score. Like that's just the way it is. Get dirty goals. Like this team that yeah. has been one of the consistent things we've talked about. They, they don't seem to like doing that, but you know what? That's how all teams RJ, our entire lives. We've seen them break through slumps. They've, they've just, they've gotten dirty goals, right? Yeah. They're not pretty, but they're it's consistent. It's a way of scoring. It's a way of sparking something. I would like to see that from them personally. Yeah. Montreal's allowed the fourth most goals in the league. Like, you know, it's, it's there. They, you know, they're a team that can be scored on just have to put in the work. Yep. Uh, all, I want sign from, from I know. all I want from Christmas is a win. Everybody's just saying a win. Like that's, that's what everybody wants from that game. I'm with you. I'm with you on all that, everybody. And you know what else I'd, I'd like RJ to just crush you at duffel board at flat stick pub. Cause I know I could, I, we played I don't know, against man. each other. I think I could do this. I'll give you the mini golf all day, RJ. Okay. The, the duffel board. And I'll talk about the mini golf after the Montreal game. I'll load those pictures in here. But the duffel board, like, I just, I think this is one of those weird things, RJ, where my non-math brain and anybody who watches us for any amount of time knows I'm not good at math. I think my my weird, like, math geometry only, you know, brain could handle this and find a way of making it happen. Probably because you could all get it in your line of sight. You can see the whole thing. Yeah. Maybe, you know, with the mini golf, it's like you got to look down to the ball and it's out of there. It all just kind of comes together with the letters and numbers when you can see the whole board. I, I could see that. Um, but still, I think I'll give you a run for your money. All right. Well, I mean, I would let it be close. I don't want to embarrass you, RJ. Come on. <laughs> okay. All right. I know. I just uh, uh, now I'm now I really set myself up for trouble. Uh We'll we'll have to do that in person in front of everybody. That that would be my one saving things if I can try to get the crowd on my side. I think. Uh, oh yeah, it makes a difference. It does. It does. Uh, thanks everybody for joining us. Thanks to Flatstick Pub for sponsoring the post game live as always, and we will see you all after that Montreal game.